This podcast is brought to you by Gridiron Heroics Media. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Alrighty. This is it. I believe that we are live. This is our first live stream for the Gridiron Heroics Football Show. So let me say welcome one and all to the Gridiron Heroics Football Show. I'm Max Dean. You can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean. And today it is our week six recap. We're live on YouTube right now. So if you're listening after the fact, you'll know to be able to find us for some of our other shows this week and then our recap next week. And of course, you can find all of our shows anywhere podcasts are found. So I have with me Kyron Samuels, ex-AFL offensive lineman, ex-D1 offensive lineman, all AFL offensive lineman, of course, too, and our director of social media here at Gridiron Heroics. How are you doing today, Kyron? Doing pretty good, man. Had a very interesting day yesterday, so I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I feel like yesterday I watched football a little bit more casually uh, than I, I have in weeks past, and I enjoyed it. So I feel like I didn't like, I didn't, I lived a couple of games instead of trying to, to spread myself as, as thinly throughout all of them. And it made for a more fun experience for those specific games, but we definitely have some good ones to talk about today. I also want to shout out Noah Ashley, who is our producer now for all of our live streams. You can find Noah's info in the descriptions below as well. And he is in the background. He's going to chime in with any info or anything we might need. He's managing all of our sound levels i feel i feel very legitimate having a producer man <laughs> <laughs> yeah congrats to noah man glad to have you all right so uh first one we're gonna get into today you know what because we're doing something different i want to do something different i want to let you choose whatever game that we talk about first today Um, I think the, the most important game is obviously Bill Sheets uh, yesterday. I think that'll probably be the best one to lead off with. So let's go ahead and dive into that one. And um, The biggest thing I learned about that game yesterday is that I didn't learn anything about either one of those offenses. They did exactly what I thought. Um, it played out almost exactly like I thought. But I did learn uh, how good the Bills' offseason acquisitions were. Um, you kind of saw it along the offensive line a little bit. Like I think Roger Saffold had one penalty, but overall he played a damn good game. And, and for the most part, uh, the Bills' offensive line held up big time in the second half. So you saw the adjustments there. Um, you saw uh, the adjustments with uh, you know going out to get a guy like Von Miller. We'll get to him in a second, but uh, he took over the football game in, in the second half specifically, um, fourth quarter specifically down the stretch. Uh, I think the Bills, you kind of saw the tweaks that they made in the offseason come to fruition um, at the end of that game. When it was time to win, uh, you saw the little differences that probably held them back in the past uh, be the difference in that ball game. So uh, that was cool to see. And, and for the Chiefs, I mean, I think they played a very, very good football game. Um, nothing really to be upset about, hang your hat about. Um, you know, they had some unfortunate third downs where they couldn't get off the field there at the in the second half against the of the Bills they had a couple of terrible penalties that extended drives as well. 
that kind of gave the Bills more life and, and uh, the, the last drive that they scored a touchdown on kind of kept sustaining that drive and keeping it going. So um, they have to be feeling very good about this game as well. And, you know, you obviously want to win. There's no such thing as a moral victory, but they don't go into – if they see them again in the playoffs, for instance, they don't go into that game feeling like they're going to lose. They feel great about it. Um, yeah. They know that a tweak here, a tweak there, they'll be fine. Um, and, you know, for, for the most part, I just think it was, it, was a, it was a beautiful display of coaching on both sides of the ball, especially defensively for both teams. I think they both made adjustments from that playoff game. We didn't see as many explosive plays. We didn't see as, as many points because, um, you know, they're just that well-rounded now. I think they both probably had a little tweaking to do on the defense, but we, we saw it yesterday, man. These defenses are very, very good. They're going to be very tough to score points on, and I hope we get to see it again in the playoffs. Oh, I I don't think there's any question of that. I think these are the two best teams in the NFL right now. Um, certainly the two best teams in the AFC. You know, for the Bills, it was definitely an example of their offseason acquisitions from this year uh, stepping up. But I think we've got to recognize these guys that have been here for a couple of years now. I mean, obviously Josh Allen, incredible. But this was a Stephon Diggs game. <laughs> Ten receptions for 148 yards and a touchdown. He made his presence felt. I think the threat of him opens up a lot for everybody else. Gabe Davis continues his his tear um, with uh, deep reception. So touchdown for him, Diggs, and Dawson Knox as well. This is kind of a, a star game, and I don't think that's any surprise when you're going up against a bunch of other stars that if you want to win, your stars need to be the ones that step up. Um, I just don't know how you stop Josh Allen. I just don't, I don't see a pathway to it. Sure, in a given game, but I think when he's dialed in, and this is the perfect example playing – one of, if not the best other team in the league, he's, he's just too good. So if he's healthy when we get to the playoffs, I just I cannot imagine how you would pick against anybody other than him at this point. Uh, you know, as a, as a rematch, I feel like it lived up to the hype. It wasn't as high scoring. I feel like both defenses were a little bit better than they were last postseason because that was absolutely insane. But, I mean... Von Miller had two sacks, um, had a couple of interceptions, including the late game pick that kind of sealed everything off. I, I guess for the Chiefs moving over, I mean, again, it, it kind of a similar story in, in the sense that the stars were what got it done. Juju Smith-Schuster got his first touchdown as a Chief. That was cool. Um, he is, man, I don't know why, but he looks bigger in a Chiefs uniform. Maybe it's just because there's smaller players around him. There's a lot of big dudes on Pittsburgh, but he just... He looks massive. He looks like a tight end when he's playing out of the slot. You know what I mean? Oh, he, I, to me, he does serve the purpose of a tight end in that offense. He does look a little bigger as well. So um, you're not off with that. I mean, he, he definitely looks bigger, and they're using him in, in the slot so much and kind of bringing him in and a lot of bunch stuff and getting him one-on-one with, with linebackers because, you know, that is a mismatch for him and his athletic ability. But he does look bigger. I mean, they use him and Kelsey very similarly. So, um that is a good point, man. And I do want to give Stephon Diggs some love. I tweeted it out a couple of times yesterday, but I think he's wide receiver one right now. I know that people give Justin Jefferson a lot of credit. Um, people also give, um, you know, Devontae Adams still. Tyreek and Waddle are doing some crazy stuff down there in Miami with, you know, without their starting quarterback. Um, but it's the way Stephon Diggs does it. I, every guy I just named, those offensive coordinators and that scheme, um, they move those guys around a lot. They get them on favorable matchups. They put them on um, inferior talent and, and let them have a field day. Uh, 
Jefferson and, and, and Tyreek specifically, those guys, they're going to put them on the on the worst matchup. They're going to move them all over the field. And that is a skill and an ability of, in and of itself. But the way Stephon Diggs does it, he's static most of the game. He's going up against the number one corner most of the game. And he still finds a way um, to put up the ridiculous numbers that he has been. And, and this is just this year or since he's been with Josh Allen. He's been – you can make the argument that he's been the biggest proponent for the rise of Josh Allen, having the actual number one guy to go to, a, a guy that opens the mm-hmm. field up for everybody else. Um, at, right now he's currently uh, third in the NFL in catches with 49, second in yards with 656, and second in touchdowns with six. And he hasn't essentially missed the game because – They've blown two teams out and haven't played the third and fourth quarter with the starters, essentially. So um, kind of crazy when you take that into account. He's essentially missed the game because of time. So he, his numbers could be a little bit you know, crazier for that. So I do want to give him love because I do think he's currently the best doing it right now just because of how he does it. It's much more difficult for him. It's much more static. He's not getting moved around to be in these favorable matchups as much. So uh, kudos to him, man. Him and, him and Devontae are probably still top two for me right now. Yeah, you are a big fan of the in-game take. I've noticed that. I like yeah, it. It gives something it. to bounce off of. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, he's a monster. And, and I think, you know, the Chiefs defense, I, I like what they do. They play complementary football. But they're they're clearly not as good as the Bills defense. It, it is what it is. And the Bills defense still has an opportunity to get Tredavious White back fully healthy by the time the postseason rolls around. Now, that's not a guarantee. We haven't seen him yet. But he has time to come back. He has a number of weeks to get back into form. And so nothing is unexpected as far as his timeline yet. I'm sure there are a lot of Bills fans who would have liked to have seen that happen a little bit sooner. But but uh, it, it's still very much a possibility. And he could be an impact player in the playoffs as well. But they're getting by with who they got. They have Dane Jackson back this week. And ultimately, that defensive line helps lead the way anyway. So... Um, just shout out to Travis Kelsey, of course, broke 100, didn't have a TD today, but again, very impactful. All right, let's jump along to a game that I know, I at least I imagine, must have been very near and dear to your heart, and that is the New England Patriots and the Cleveland Browns. If you want to talk about matchup of some of the best offensive lines in the league, such as some of the best running games in the league, this was it. The Patriots ended up blowing them out, 38-15. to 15. <clears throat> So... You know, it, it wasn't necessarily a close matchup, but if you're a fan of offensive line play, if you're a fan of the running game, like this this was the game for you this week. I, I'll let you wax poetically about offensive line here for a few minutes before I before I jump back in. You know what? We're going to have a plot twist here because... Really? I don't even care to talk about the offensive line right now. We have to talk about Kevin Stefanski, man. I've been saying it. I've been saying it for... <laughs> for oh, my God. <laughs> that's that's you know, also you... <laughs> Jacoby Brissett should never throw the ball 45 times in a game. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just negligent coaching. And I understand the situation that they end up going down and you probably have to throw it a little bit more than you wanted to. But Nick Chubb leads the NFL in rushing yards. There's no way he should only have 12 carries in a game. Like, there's no way Kareem Hunt should only have four carries in a game. I mean, come on. Even against that very good, uh, you know, Patriots front, they have, they've been playing very well lately. Um, their front mm-hmm. seven has been playing very well. They still average... Chubb averaged 4.7 a carry, and, and, and Hunt only got four carries. Like, overall, as a team total, they still averaged four yards a carry. And the NFL, that that's great. You know, four yards, you run the ball 40 times on, you know, you got four downs with four yards, you're getting the first down every time by the numbers. Like, you have to run the ball more. Like, you, you, Jacoby Brissett 
it's kind of like the Cooper Rush situation last night. We'll get to that. The way they use him. Um, these guys have been excelling in their roles because of the way you've used them. You, you've made it very easy. Uh, you've simplified the offense. You, you, you've had a great balance. Um, and I will admit that up until the last two weeks, and even last week, you know, they weren't terrible on offense, but offensively, the Browns have had a very, very good structure. They've had a very good system, and they've allowed it's allowed for them to move the ball well and, and, and put the quarterback in a situation where he only takes minimal risk. And I think they completely went against that yesterday. I just don't understand it. Um, but the offensive line, I mean, did a, did a great job still. I still got to give them some love, man. Like, uh, I, Jacoby Brissett was sacked uh, four times. But if you look at the way those sacks were accumulated, um, I think it's more scheme than anything. Nobody just got one-on-one whooped and embarrassed. This guy's holding on to the ball. It's just frustrating to watch that because I know how good the Cleveland Browns are. Um, and it's crazy to say that, but like they're two and four now and at worst. And I mean, at the very worst, they should be four and two. They, they, they found a way to lose ball games more than anybody in the NFL right now. And it's uncanny, but at the same time, it's like, Oh, this is the same old Browns. Like it's what you've come to expect of the Browns, but not with their roster this loaded with talent and, and not with a, a culture that has seemingly uh, kind of morphed into AFC North smash mouth. Like, football that we've become accustomed to see from that division. So frustrating from the Bengals aspect, but I'm excuse me, from the Browns aspect, but got to give Patriots some love, man. Can you imagine like three weeks ago saying this team would be three and three and having a chance to have some life in the AFC East. And, you know, we got to stop doubting Bill Belichick. I mean, I don't think anybody's doubting him, but I know a lot of people are saying, Hey, time might be up. It might be time to make the transition. And Bill Belichick's telling us to shut up once again, the, seven-string quarterback whenever they took Zappies out there balling. Matt Patricia is <laughs> telling us, like, we don't know what we're talking about. I mean, you just got to give it to them. The Patriots are going to find a way. Uh, we'll talk about the Steelers in a second. The Steelers are going to find a way. This is what these teams do. So it's a hell of a job for them, man. Yeah. Well, look, I, I think I will I will let you pile on the Browns a little bit. That'll, that'll be your thing. I totally agree with you, though, with the with, – the play distribution between the run and pass, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, Jacoby Brissett going under 50% passing, a touchdown, and two interceptions. I mean, it, first of all, I mean, like I said, I will let you be that guy. In fact, what I will do is I will just transition to the Patriots exclusively and just talk them up because I would rather be the positive guy here. So, <laughs> first of all, defense looks legit. I mean, they don't have those one-on-one pass rush winners. You said it's it's mostly scheme, but they do play well. They they know their role and they're very effective with it. Got to give credit to this young secondary though. I mean, between Jack Jones, Kyle Duggar playing well. I Kyle Duggar had a, a really nice pick. Um it was a play action boot deep out to the might have been a crosser. I haven't seen all 22 for any of these games obviously, but it's down the right sideline, but he's heading towards out of bounds, and Jacoby's rolling out, tries to get it there. And Duggar's just too athletic, man. He's just too good. You can't do that to him. You can't expect to make that completion on him. And big impact player. As far as their offense goes, how about Bailey Zappi, man? 309 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, 24 of 34. Look. I will comment here in a second on what his physical capability is, but you cannot turn your nose up at that stat line, no matter who you are. That is one of the most efficient 
probably that might be the most efficient quarterback stat line that we will see all season unless he outdoes himself in the next few weeks just because he knows exactly where to go with the ball the ball placement is excellent and they really scheme it up for him I mean the number of rushing attempts that that they made complemented the pass very very well a lot of his pass attempts were off of play action or screens utilizing that offensive line as a weapon in the screen game I mean some of this stuff that you see from this offense is like it just makes me a little bit embarrassed for how critical I was earlier this season is there is there some I mean look I know you're a Bama guy so you're probably never going to tear down a Bama player but like what what what's the deal we had Mac Jones playing super well last year and obviously this just wasn't working earlier this year when he was in there is this anything to do with the player do you think do you think it's just that it took the offense some time to come together or is it just the teams that they're going up against and this is going to be a comeback down to earth when they go up against a better defense um I think it's a combination of both I mean you look at uh the offensive line for one did not play very well the first three weeks of the season. They were let's just be very let's just be very frank. They weren't very good. However, the last three weeks they played as good a football as anybody up front. Um, I, I gave them my offensive line of the week last week. Um, you know, for our weekly award. So I think the last three weeks the offensive line has taken a major leap. But also it's, it goes back to what you said a lot. They played the Dolphins, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Packers to start off the year. That is a very 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 a tough group. I mean, you, you play the Lions and then the Browns in back-to-back weeks to kind of get your foot in back and regain a little bit. But to me, that doesn't really give um, – that doesn't take away from anything Bailey Zappi's done or the team as a whole has done because we see that anybody can be beat on any given Sunday. Um, I think somebody, FanDuel or uh, somebody, uh, one of the betting sites tweeted, uh, five underdogs won yesterday for the first time in NFL history. So, like, on any given Sunday, anybody can be beat. Um, and we saw that. So it doesn't matter if it's just the Lions or the Browns. A win is a win. And the way they won has been a- incredible. So uh, you got to give it to them. They've outgained the last two opponents uh, 57 to 15 points-wise. Pretty in- impressive in the NFL, no matter who it is. But um, when you start off at you know Miami, that's a very, very tough game. Um, you start off, you, then you go to Pittsburgh, and then you play the Ravens at, at home. That is a very tough game. Uh, way to start off the season so um, and I think it also like it's kind of like the Cooper Rush Dak situation you kind of alluded to it when the when the new guy comes in the young guy you simplify things you get back to the run game you make it very easy for him and you know and if he's able to just get the ball out on time and have great ball placement then he'll be fine and I think we're seeing that so um, and the cool thing about it is I don't necessarily see it getting uh, any worse? They play the Bears next week. I don't think anybody's scared of the Bears. I mean, the Bears, <laughs> but the Bears. Let me say this: the Bears aren't a bad football team. Um, they've Especially had in chances, defense. They've had a chance to win their last two ball games as well. Um, they were driving with the ball with a chance to beat the Vikings, and then they had, um, you know, the guy forces the fumble and they lose that game. And then they probably should have won the game, you know, uh, Thursday night football with that whole debacle at the end of the game, and then uh, the missed throw or the, the drop catch, depending on who you're talking to. Um, should have won that game as well. So, but I'm saying the way they the Patriots are rolling, they shouldn't go into that game, you know, with any when any type of uh, letdown on their mind. They should go in that game thinking we're going to dominate these guys. Um, and then you get the Jets, the Colts, the Jets again, um, the Vikings. I mean, there's winnable games for this team for the next six games before they start before they get to the Bills again. 
and then they're mm-hmm. going to start. That'll be a little more difficult when you play teams like that. But Patriots should feel very good about where they stand and how they played the last couple of weeks. And um, it remains to be seen if the quarterback is um, legit as far as you know going up against you know more serious competition after tape's been out for a couple of weeks and these defensive coordinators start to adjust. Um, this uh, it always happens in the NFL. Everybody starts uh, with the people that start hot plateau at some point because it's just the NFL. Everybody has a ceiling. So it'll be interesting to see how long Mac Jones is out because I'm hearing that he's going to be back very soon. Um, and if it becomes a situation to where Bailey Jack is playing so well, you give him another week off or another two weeks off just to get fully healthy. So um, that's my take on the Patriots, man. I can't believe it. We're sitting here three and three. They got two division games coming up in the next three weeks. And in another three weeks, they could be sitting in, in second or first place in the division. Like It's crazy to think about. Yeah, well, look, I I will say this. This was not a good matchup for the Browns because their interior defensive line, we knew it was an issue going into the season, so there's really no surprises there. Uh, For a team that's that good up front offensively, it it was going to be something that worked out well for you. But I got to say this, man. It was There was just perfection in that game. When you watch some of the, like, there's a play-action pass that is just ingrained in my memory. So... It's not a rollout, Bailey Zappi. It's just like a, a a play fake drop back. But that line is holding the Browns like picture perfect. And when I say is, is he had time, he would have had probably like six more seconds. Like that, if you draw it up on the board, that's what it looks like. There was no movement. It, right. You got to give a lot of credit. And I know it was your offensive line of the week last week. Definitely another big time performance for them. Okay. Oh, last thing I do want to say, look, I, I have a hard time believing that this this is a playoff caliber quarterback situation, though, just in case anything does happen with Mac Jones, if the injury lingers or whatever. He just doesn't have the arm strength and athleticism, and I think it's a, it's a recipe for beating flawed football teams, but I think when you face those good teams, it's going to be tough. I mean, he just he doesn't have the zip on the ball. It is what it is. He doesn't really have a ton of athleticism either. He can move a little bit, but I mean, I know it's just a stat line, but three attempts for negative four yards. I mean, he's clearly not really escaping much. He's not doing any damage to you on the ground. So I think when you when you when your greatest asset is your accuracy and efficiency, but you don't have either escapability or arm strength to go along with it, it does just limit what your upside is. Okay, we're gonna move on here to. Another AFC East team, and I'm going to hold you to something you said a minute ago, or at least try to. Okay, so we have the New York Jets visiting the Green Bay Packers. Jets put on a show. Look, I mean, was it perfect offensively? No, particularly in the first half. In the second half, the ground game really opened up a lot. The defense, though, was outstanding. They win 27-10. to 10. Surprise a lot of people. Now, there are some definite factors here the Packers are coming off of a London game with no buy Aaron Rodgers also had an injured finger but but let's be honest those receivers were not open anyway so this was going to be a relatively one-sided affair in terms of rush versus pass anyway and they just couldn't get anything going uh, on the ground either the Jets Jets line played well the Jets secondary played well and the Jets running backs played well and it was a decisive victory of of double digits so um, I want to hear your take on this, but I definitely I've got something loaded up for you here in just a second. Yeah, like I think you have to give credit to the Jets secondary and um, the defensive line as well. Everybody's talking about the secondary, and that doesn't really I don't really care too much about that. Those <laughs> okay. dudes up front, specifically 
you know, I'm first of all, I want to give Jermaine Johnson some love. You know, not, not many people are talking about him as far as these rookies. Um, so far, and I think he's played as good as any of the rookies up front. But Quentin Williams on the interior, um, he took over that game in a, in a couple points. And, and I went back and watched that that game. You know, I think it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. I don't remember. but Because um, one of my guys, and he's an Auburn fan, so this is what made me really, like, go back and watch it. Because I was watching in and out. You know, I, I watch every game, try to keep up with everything for social media and whatnot. Um, but my Auburn guy, he was like, hey, man, go back and watch Quentin. He's like, he's playing at an all-pro level right now. He might be. <laughs> so good. So I, I go back and watch it and really just watch him. And it's insane, man. Like, he, the way people kind of were out, not, I don't want to say out, the way people were kind of saying that he might not have been worth that pick after the first year uh, with not much around him. He's out there getting doubled. And, you know, it was just the way it goes. He played incredible yesterday. So got to give a shout out to him. He's been playing incredible all year. And like I said, you have to tip your cap for the secondary as well. But every team that the Packers have played has looked like gods in the secondary because they just aren't good outside. Like, and that's not a, a discredit to anybody that they've played. They, they don't create separation at, at any point. Uh, Matt LaFleur has to be so creative to scheme these guys open, which he has been at, at a lot of points, um, that it's at a detriment to the run game. It's at a detriment to the quarterback at some point. Um, it's at a detriment to the offensive line having to wait so long for this stuff to develop because Randall Cobb's your number one receiver. Like, uh, it's been a very frustrating uh, time for the Packers, but I don't really see anything to panic about if you're them. I just still don't. They're going to be they're going to be right there in their division. The, the NFC is very uh, – everybody's kind of in the middle of the pack right now in the NFC. You can you see a lot of parity there. They have plenty of, of room for wild card stuff. I mean, a team like the 49ers could be um, – or the Rams, those teams are fighting for division crowns, but they're both three and three. They're both sitting there in the middle of the punt in the pack where somebody's going to get left out. Um, you know, I think overall you got to give the New York Jets credit. Um, and if you're the Packers, you have to find a way either go get you a free agent somewhere. I mean, you have to take a risk on a guy like uh, a Deshaun Jackson now, or, um, uh, call Will Fuller, see if he still wants to play football. You have to do something to try to get some vertical ability on that football team to open things up uh, for the offense. But other than that, I just kudos to the Jets for handling business. And if you're the Packers, you have to find a way to get better um, and make things easier for your offensive line and quarterback specifically. Yeah, well, their offensive line is not playing exceptionally well. They've got a bunch of guys that are pretty good but they're they've been shuffled around various positions David Bakhtiari's been out for a long time and now he's getting back into the swing of things but but the reality is that it really does fall on those receivers to make or to create separation and make plays and it's just not really happening and even less so this game than other games now Randall Cobb went out with an injury so obviously that impacted it because that's basically been his favorite receiver up to this point but I mean I, I I I hear you I will say that the that the Packers defense played maybe their best game, especially in the first half. They were locking down the receivers. Jair Alexander came to play. I think I don't I'm not saying that he didn't come to play earlier, but I feel like he responded to the call. He was very, very good. Um, Adrian Amos, very, very good player. So I I, I want to recognize that they do have some talent, they do have some skill, but just for a moment, I, I just want to talk about the Jets. The, Quinn Williams, you know, he had a rough rookie year, 
It wasn't awful, but it wasn't particularly good. He uh, was kind of playing out of position. They had him as a backup nose tackle because they had a pretty good front at that point. Wasn't making a ton of impact, and he had an injury early in the season. Second year, he looked like he was on the verge of a breakout. Third year, that was Robert Sala's first year, learning a new position. I mean, you know, as much as, as you can on the interior. And he had nobody around him. And I mean, nobody. And this year, he finally does. And he is playing incredibly well. He is making the case for himself to be at that at that basically one step below Aaron Donald tied with Jeffrey Simmons type level and in this game two sacks four tackles that doesn't even reflect his uh, his uh, uh, field goal block and all of the pressures he had and all the hits he had I mean he absolutely leveled Aaron Rodgers on the sideline as he was trying to escape and I mean, he's playing a monster game. But I also want to give credit to Brees Hall, who is well on his way to clearing 1,000 yards, and he's just picking up steam at this point. He wasn't used as heavily in the first couple of games. The Jets have made it very clear that they want to ease the rookies along. Sauce Gardner made it hard to do that. But, but for the rest of them, they really tried, and now he's clearly the number one rusher. Uh, 20 carries in this game. 116 yards and a touchdown. He also gets involved in the passing game. Now, not to last week's degree, but only two catches for five yards. But they get him the ball however they can, and he's playing incredibly well. And I think, I think if there has if there was a real chance for a team to have two rookie of the years for the first time since 2017, right now the Jets have an opportunity at that. Now, I, I want to say this: you are you're, you're a little bit out on the Jets kind of like you're like respect for what they've done but they're not making the playoffs and, oh, yeah. and my thing it's not is not even not even a little bit out. like I just don't trust them or believe in them at all I get it I get it but I hear you but how come why is it that one game prior to this we're talking about the Patriots and it's like doesn't matter who they play doesn't matter who they play a win is a win and, and we're praising them and then we look at the Jets and they're four and two and it, they've been winning decisively over the past few weeks, and and you're so confident. I mean, you looked forward to the games that the Patriots had to play. The Jets are playing the same teams because they're in the same division. They get to play the Bears. They get to play the Lions. They get to play the Jaguars. And you think they can't split one versus the Patriots, maybe? I mean, these are very winnable games for the Jets coming up. Now, I, I'm not trying to insist that they will. I am just trying to see if I can get a little bit of wiggle room from you on this because you're just so sure that it's not happening. Well, it's not. it doesn't have anything to do with necessarily who they're playing. It's <laughs> who they are, and it's who their coaching, coaching staff is. It's not necessarily about opposition. I know – so put it this way. Uh, from a coaching perspective, who do you feel better about going into a game with, um, Belichick and staff or, or Salah and staff? I mean – I think most people would say Belichick and staff. It's just been proven over the course. It's been proven longer over a longer period of time. Who, which offensive line do you feel better going forward with at this juncture? Um, the Jets have played well up front, better than I think most people would have expected. But the Patriots are playing better up front, whose run game has been more consistent over the course of the season. I think the Patriots were, and I don't even want to make it a, a comparison. That was just because you brought them up was just the first thing that popped into my mind. Um, whose defense um, do I trust more going forward? I trust the Patriots' defense more. They're just they've been, how, wait. How do you trust the Patriots' defense more? Because yeah, because of the build, the makeup of who they are, and the way they have been playing 
over the course of the year. The Jets have had some games where they haven't looked good on defense at all. Um, the Browns game, they didn't. They got bailed out at the end of the game um, because the Browns didn't have to point blank period. Uh, the Ravens, they didn't look good at all. Um, the the, the uh, Bengals game, they didn't look good at all. I mean, they've been very, very inconsistent. And that's not uh, – and I, and it's, it's funny because I really do like the Jets. I just I, – same thing with the Giants is the makeup of the team isn't playoff worthy yet. And that is the thing I want to say yet. I, I tweeted out yesterday um, – the Jets are a quarterback away from being a very good football team. It's just as simple as that for me. They are a quarterback away from being a very good football team. I, I think that, like, we can stop. It's so hard to say because it's like, look at Geno Smith and Marcus Mariota this year. I mean, this is like year eight or nine or ten for them. I can't remember. And then they're playing the best football of their career. But I will say that we even saw much more for them early on in their careers than we see from Zach Wilson. He has zero pocket presence. He has He's just – he, he runs like he's a running back, and he, does, he doesn't protect his body. He's just not very good, and that's why I don't believe in the Jets more than anything, more than the coaching, more than anything else. Um, they've been very fortunate the last couple of weeks. Um, the Dolphins are playing bad football right now. Um, they have over 10 starters out with injuries. They got them at a very opportune time. The Packers aren't very good offensively right now. Uh, you know, they've been consistent moving the ball and, and finding ways to win. The Packers have been in every game they've played this year except, besides the first one. But the Packers are in, not in a great spot right now. Um, even the Steelers, they're going through the quarterback controversy, going, going through the switch. They've been very fortunate. And like I said, it don't really matter at the end of the day because a win is a win and they're four and two. But you do need to put things into context because that's what we do when we project. You have to put into a proper context, put into a proper uh, – wrap it in a proper bow. Um, you give credit to the coach staff for finding ways to win. You give credit to the guys that are finding ways to win on the field right now. But same thing with the Giants. The way you're winning and, and, and the teams that you're winning against, that should be uh, that should be highlighted as well. Because uh, kind of akin to like a, I, I don't want to use the Dolphins because we still don't know the quarterback situation. But the Dolphins have, by every metric, had the very the toughest schedule in the NFL um, for the first six games, and they come out three and three with their second and third string quarterback. Um, Four starters out on, excuse me, three starters out in the secondary. I could go on and on. But the rest of the way, they have a very easy, favorable schedule. So if we're projecting, if they get the quarterback, they get healthy, you would assume that they'll do well. The Jets still have some very tough games. I mean, look, they're on the road in Denver. That defense is incredible. Russ might not score enough. The offense and Russ might not score enough points for that game to matter. <laughs> but that's not an easy game. Then you got the Patriots coming to New York. Then you got the Bills coming to New York. Then you go to the Patriots. Um, you still got the Vikings. You got the Bills again. You got to go to Seattle. You got to go to Miami again. I'm projecting them based off of the build and the makeup of the team. They're also a team that can't sustain any injury anywhere else. Like they aren't deep enough team to sustain some of the injuries. Maybe some of these other teams will. Uh, like I said, you have to give credit where credit is due. They're four and two, finding a way to, to win football games. So just the same thing with the Giants. I just don't believe in them. Right now, <laughs> a year from now, or two years from now, when they short some of the other positions, uh, mainly quarterback for me, they could be as good as anybody because they've done such a good job of acquiring young talent. Um, they could be as good as anybody. But right now, I just don't see it at all. And it ain't a Jets thing. I could do this for like the Jaguars as well. Um, like I said, the Dolphins, if they can't get healthier quarterback, uh, doesn't matter how much young talent everybody you have around you. Um, quarterbacks win games specifically playoff games 
in big games at the end of the year where you have to go into the playoffs. And I just don't believe in that from the Jets at this juncture. Okay. All right. I won't I won't dwell on the Jets anymore. Suffice it to say that I, I, I disagree. I think they have every opportunity to make it. But let's move on to another pair of teams. The Cincinnati Bengals pull out a 30-point thirty they pull out a win 30 points to 26 points over the New Orleans Saints. That gets them back to 500 and uh, drops the Saints to two and four. This was a Joe Burrow game. I mean, 28 of 37, 300 yards, three touchdowns, and plenty of that went straight to Jamar Chase, seven catches, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. T. Higgins involved, maybe not quite as impactful, but it's good to have him back, and I think he makes a big difference to this team. So, I mean, I think the Saints the Saints gave him, you know, a real hard time. It was a close game. I was watching this one a little bit more out of the corner of my eye, literally on my, my side-facing screen over here. So, I mean, it's tough. I think they're doing everything they can under the situation without having their starting quarterback. They're relying on Taysom Hill. The way they're using him is really cool. The, the defense is, is doing what they can. But I, it seems like this is going to be a tough, you know, I mean, I, unless the fact, unless the Buccaneers completely fall apart here, but uh, the it seems like this is going to be a tough season for them to overcome with just the situation that they're in. I mean, wh- what takeaways do you have regarding the New Orleans Saints today? Um, that one, they have to be kicking themselves because they should have won that football game, um, and two, they also may be a quarterback away from being a legit, you know, contender or at least very clear playoff team. I mean, they won the total yard battle. They, they almost, uh, they had 399 um, to the Bengals, 350, 348, excuse me, which is, you know, still a lot of offense from the Bengals, but they won the Russian battle 228 to 75. I mean, um, you know, they outgained them in every facet, but the red zone offense is what I want to look at. Um, the Bengals had three red zone trips and they scored on all three of them. The Saints had five red zone trips and only scored on one of them. That's a recipe for losing ball games, especially close ball games that you had to lead in. Had they even, you know, you don't even have to score necessarily touchdowns every time. Get points out of those drives, and you win the football game. It's as simple as that. You want the time of possession battle on top of that. You want the turnover battle on top of that. And this is why I say it's like just so hard to win games in the NFL because if you look at that on paper, I went the total yards, time of possession, turnover. Um, uh, rushing battle. I mean, you look at those and you think that you probably win that football game, despite everything. Um, and they just, like I said, it's been rough. It's hard to go one for five in the red zone. I don't think I've seen that very often. Like, um, so you, you clean that up, and they're this is probably sitting at three and three. They've had a chance to win a couple more ball games. Um, they're another team, like in my opinion, like uh, the Jets or the Dolphins right now, that are good quarterback away. One team is, you know, a couple teams depending on health. Uh, maybe James could have been that guy. Maybe. Uh, when Tua gets back, they'll get back to business. But um, I just don't see them being viable, like you said, unless the Bucks just collapse. And when I don't really think that's the case, I mean, they're already 2-0 and in the division the Bucks are, and they still have to play the Panthers twice, and everybody should be um, favored against the Panthers right now. That team is just out of whack. So it'll take a monumental breakdown for the Bucks to lose that division. But um, you got to give some credit to the Bengals as well. I think, um, you know, you said something about T. Higgins and, maybe not being as impactful. And I and I, I was like, I'm watching the game, and I'm like, dang, like every third down, it feels like T. Higgins is the one catching these balls. So um, right. I know Jamar gets all the love, and 
I've had a lot of people tell me, and I'm not of this mindset, but a lot of people tell me they think, you know, T is actually the wide receiver one there. And I'm like, it, 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 it's a fair debate, in my opinion, because of the way they get, they get it done. Um, but, you know, Jamar is just his athletic ability. You know, got to be careful with my words here because you got to, I want to give Joe Burrow proper credit because his third and fourth down playmaking ability just to get to the, get to the right guy. It's very advanced for only his third year. This is his third year, correct? Yeah, third year in the NFL. Um, But when you can just throw it out to a guy on a quick slant or a quick out, and then he takes his 64 touchdown, that is a luxury that, I mean, not anybody. I mean, I can't really – who else in the NFL has that luxury? I don't really – Tyree Kill and Waddle. um, Yeah, I was going to – that's who I was going to say. Maybe, you know, Cooper Cup on the right to play design, like – uh, maybe Jefferson, but he's not really that guy that takes it 80, 60, 70. Jamar Chase, I mean, the game winning touchdown is literally just a quick out. They throw him the ball and then he goes 60 yards. Um, even T. Higgins, the way he stretches the field and he creates mismatches for defenses, it's not easy as a quarterback at all. Um, but man, it's just a luxury to be able to have guys at that position that can do that. So um, shout out to those receivers and those skill guys. They answered the call. Um, they've had a couple of very rough weeks and um, they're they're healthy. They're all on the field at the same time. And man, did they ever uh, produce in, in a very hostile environment? It's never easy to go into the dome. Yeah, I think I think the way that I would put it is not impactful is definitely not the right way. But I think oh, I, yeah, Higgins, I didn't see that by the way. You didn't. You weren't saying yeah. you didn't have an impact on the game. It's just uh, right. I love T Higgins, dude. I really truly do. I think he's right. an awesome receiver. I love his play style. Um, I, I love how he just completely owns his skill set. Like he knows what he knows who he is. He knows what he can do, and he just does it at a very high level. I think the way that I would phrase it is, he makes the offense run, and then Jamar Chase is the one who just devastates you. Right. I, I think that's that's the way I put it. Like T Higgins breaks you on third downs. He breaks you converting. You know what I mean? He he just makes it too hard to go one-on-one elsewhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because he forces you to pay attention to him as well. Um, but Jamar Chase is the one who will, you know, take it 60 yards to the house. And not that T. Higgins can't make a big play, but, you know, he is more of like, generally speaking, he's more of like a go up, get it, and go down versus a get it and take it kind of guy. But right. regardless... Their offense is working. From from the Saints' perspective, rushing the ball, I mean, it's pretty crazy what they did. I mean, they had four players with almost 40 yards or more rushing. Taysom Hill, five carries for 39 yards, doing his thing. Rashid Shahid, he only had one one uh, uh, rush for 44 yards, so like a little bit of an outlier stat there. But effective nonetheless. I mean, that's a big play for a touchdown. And then Mark Ingram... Still getting it done at 5.1 yards per carry for 46 yards. And then Alvin Kamara having a nice game as well. They, they have a good offensive line. You know, they've got, they, they, they have a creative offense. They are definitely lacking in the quarterback position. And then obviously they're missing a bunch of wide receivers as well. So I think that's, that's a tough thing for them is, is that maybe they could have gotten this done. Like you said, they had an opportunity anyway, but they, maybe they could have gotten this done if they had some healthy receivers, uh, even with Andy Dalton. but Oh, yeah. I mean, that is crazy. Like, <clears throat> oh, you, people say that, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, they have some guys out. And then you look at who the guys are, and then it's like, oh, my God, you had a chance to win the game without 
uh, an all-pro right. Michael Thomas, a pro bowler Jarvis Landry, and then a rookie Chris Olave, who was like top six in the NFL in receiving when he got hurt. Like the guys that they almost won that game with. Like, and I said this before the season, and I want to go ahead and throw it out there now because I, I like the stuff on the record. Like I said, you know, everybody's so high on the Bengals and all. I'm like, oh my god, like stop. The Bengals won't make the playoffs this year. I said it at the beginning of the season. I said they'll go eight and nine. That's my my prediction for them. And they're 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 on pace right now, but. Uh, had they lost that game, they'll be right on pace, and I would have been able to say, like, look, but this is what my, my football brain told me, like, in, in the playoffs last year, the way they were winning, they won those games were not sustainable. Like, you can't count on getting two turnovers per game, and you can't count on um, your kicker making clutch field goal after clutch field goal after clutch field goal for you to keep winning football games. So, I didn't think that that was a sustainable way for them to go into this season, uh, especially the fact that they have to, um, you know, fix that offensive line. And they they tried it. They addressed it. But uh, would you say at this point in the season that their offensive line is much improved from last year? Uh, no, it's a little it's it's a little bit improved, especially now that I, we've seen this a fair amount from a bunch of teams, actually. I mean, Patriots are one of them. As the season moves along, the offensive line settles in a little bit. I think the lack of preseason games probably hurts the offensive line maybe more than any other, especially if it's a newer group getting together. So I think that has something to do with it. But no, I wouldn't say that they're significantly better than they were last year. Um, I I think I will always trust the elite quarterback more so than others. But here's a a quick game. All right. We are one-third of the way through the season. We're going to move on to a couple other games here in a sec. But... Just to get it on the record, who do you think is making the playoffs right now? Uh, Start with the AFC, just go down, division winner, and then three wild card, just so that we have it on the record. And we can do this again maybe two-thirds of the way through the season. Um, So let's just go AFC East. I have the Bills winning that. Um, You know, the Dolphins were in pole position, but after, you know, the quarterback goes down, you get all those injuries, you just can't ignore the fact that it's uphill sledding for them to win the division at this point. Um, mm-hmm. They're two, two and one in the division. They have the the, um, the Patriots again. They have they have everybody one more time. So you know, quarterback healthy, um, you know, resting healthy. There's a chance, but I, I think you have to give the Bills the edge there. AFC South. I'm actually going to go Jaguars. I feel like the Jaguars are going to figure it out just enough to win that division. Um, and and I don't have a, a great football reason for that. I just feel like they're gonna. I just feel like some, there's something building with that team down there. And, and they'll be able to find a way to win football games. They're a young team that's not necessarily pulling through in those clutch moments. I think they should have won two games they've lost this year, but I think they'll end up figuring it out. And, and, and I like them to to win that. Um, the AFC North, I'm going to go with um, the Ravens. I still think the Ravens are playing as good as anybody in the NFL. I mean, they are playing as good as anybody in the NFL. They trailed for three minutes total time this season. And they're three and three, so it, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's a trend, though. It's a trend. Um, but anyway, yeah, but uh, I, I trust them to to figure it out. The recipe ain't broken. Stop turning the ball over and stop, you know, run the ball. Like I, I hate teams with with big leads or you know just a one possession lead that abandon running the rock. You're averaging seven yards per carry, and, and you're, you're you're rolling back doing. Drop. I just don't understand it. That's on Harbaugh or Lamar, whoever it is that is making these calls that has the executive decision there. Run the rock. You average seven yards per carry. Put these games away and stop leaving it up to chance because um, 
the offensive line is good, but it ain't that good. You can't do that in those situations. So I still trust the, the Ravens to come through um, in that situation. And then the AFC West, obviously, we're going to go with the Chiefs here. Um, and then for the next three teams, um, this is where it gets tricky because it's, it's such a projection for the – I think the division leaders are pretty clear. Um, but I, I'll probably go Titans to get in, um, Chargers, and Dolphins. That would be my next three to get in. Um, and, and the Dolphins is purely based on um, them being healthy. If they aren't healthy, then the floodgates open for that last spot to be. But the Chargers right. and the um, <clears throat> excuse me, Chargers and the Titans for sure. All right. What about in the NFC? Um, NFC South. We'll, we'll just go ahead and, and I think the Bucks are fine there. I mean, they've already run two. They they still got the the Panthers twice, and they they should win the division by default. Um, NFC East. Uh, Philly, you got to go Philly. Um, NFC West, like, I'm actually interested to get your take on this because I have no idea. Like, pull up the teams here. You got San Francisco, LA, Seattle, and Arizona. Shout out to Seattle being three and three, by the way, with a chance to be, you know, a little bit better. I, I'll go 49ers by default, but I'm not 100%. I'm not 100% confident in it. Like, uh, I'll go with them because I think they have the best defense. And so once they get healthy, they'll be fine. And then um, NFC North, I'm going to go Packers. I think they'll find a way to beat uh, Minnesota. And I don't really – Chicago and Detroit are, are solid and proving football teams, but I don't think they're good enough yet. And then um, for, for the next three, I'll go Dallas, Minnesota. Um, and you know what? Let's let's go Seattle. Let's let's go Seattle. They're playing that good of football. I feel like they'll find a way to get to nine and seven, or or excuse me, ten and seven, or or nine and eight, and squeak in at, at the last spot. Because I don't believe in the Rams. The Rams are, are not a good football team, uh, and I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. But that'll probably be my my playoff picks for, for right now at this point in the season. Okay, so I mean Buffalo's an easy choice. They were my preseason pick. They're the same now. For the South, though. Indy was my preseason pick, and I, 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 I wish that I had watched that game because we—that's not one of our games today, so I haven't gone in, and I'll watch it later tonight. But that was the best game, by the way, in my, from yesterday. It was crazy. It was that good. Well, I asked you if we should if we should <laughs> recap it, and you said to do the Patriots and yeah, and Browns. So just because I hate the <laughs> that much, I was like, you know, I gotta say something about the fans. <laughs> Okay. Well, look, we'll highlight it tomorrow then. But yeah. uh, look, I'm going to go with Indy again. I'm I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction there. I think that their their offensive line is the single biggest issue there, and it was a lot better yesterday. And I think if they can figure that out, if they can get it to just be okay, they're still probably the best team in that division. Because I mean, this this Jonathan Taylor injury, it's not going to last all season. And I think that with a better offensive line, he's going to be a more impactful player. Uh, then for the North, Cincinnati was my preseason pick. And I think I'm going to switch it up to Baltimore here. But I'm not super confident in it. Because the, the, the Ravens have been one of my top four teams for multiple weeks in a row. But they're just not closing out games. And that's just that's a must if you want to be a playoff team. So um, either way, I think... I'll pick them to win it now. Then the uh, West, that's KC, easily. They were my preseason, and I'll stick with them now. For the wild card, um, 
I don't think two are going in from the AFC South. I really don't. So I'm not putting Tennessee or Jacksonville in. Um, I will put the Chargers in. I'll put the Bengals in. I think that they'll be able to just do enough offensively that, that they'll come out on top in enough games. It'll put them in. And at this point, look, I mean, I understand that there are issues with the team, but the Jets were my preseason prediction to get in for a wild card. And I just don't know how I can change that at four and two. So, I mean, I think there are other teams that have a very real possibility. Look, if Miami was healthy, they would be my pick, but they haven't been. And it's not just a quarterback position. They've been injured at the receiver position and they haven't been as impactful there. They've been injured at the DB position. I mean, the offensive line, it's Terrible. it's good. Yeah, it's when, it's, <laughs> when, it, when they have Taron Armstead. But, I mean, that's a problem. And it's like, are you going to go in and put a, a Tua that's just coming off of this major concussion issue behind a bad offensive line? It just seems like, you know, so something I, know, I don't really want to talk about We should right talk now. about that, though. We should talk about that maybe in another segment. But, like, should, mm-hmm. should he be playing this soon? Uh, yeah. My my short answer is, is hell no. I don't think he should be playing this. So I think it's negligent. But I mean, who are we? They're going to talk about it more. Yeah, yeah, Go yeah. Ahead, uh, so that's that'll be my pick, and nothing has changed there, except that Baltimore and Cincy are now switched for division winner versus wild card. But it's all the same teams and almost in the same position. So three quarter, uh, one third of the way through the season, is pretty similar. Then for the NFC, Philly was my preseason prediction. Definitely staying. Tampa was my preseason prediction. Going to stay with them. I would have loved to have switched up with the Saints, but they just... Injuries there are too much. Um, For the North, Green Bay was my pick, but now at this point, I'm taking Minnesota. I mean, and part of it is just that I think Green Bay has every opportunity to come back, but they, they are now trailing by a half a game because of the straight up loss. And they're kind of far behind. It's a long season, but still, I, I have a, a feeling that Minnesota is going to edge them out for the division title. I think Minnesota is a flawed team, but they have a lot good going for them as well. Uh, for the West, all right, this is a good one because it should be San Francisco, but they just keep sustaining injuries one after another. They're losing guys, and it's like yeah. key guys, really impactful guys, and they had probably the best defense in the NFL, but they're losing guys from the defense, just one after the other, after the other, the offensive line, which is a big part of how they play. I mean, this, this is the way the 49ers look right now after losing all these guys is exactly how the jets would look. If they start losing their star players, if they lose Quinn Williams, if they lose a Carl Lawson, if they lose a, a sauce Gardner, or if they lose, well, I mean, they've already lost all their tackles, but but that that's this is how they would look, right? Like, it, it, so I don't know. I'm the Rams just have straight up not been good. The Seahawks are playing good offensively. Hmm. I don't know, man. Rams were my preseason pick, but I, yeah. I I'll just. When D Hop gets back, it'll be interesting to see how much better they look. Uh, the Cards look offensively because they're in all of these games. They're in every single game. Um, they're just so one-dimensional offense, and I don't like Cliff Kingsbury at all. He, he does the offensive <laughs> line, the offensive line isn't very good, and they don't you know um, run the ball enough or mix it up enough to help protect them, and then in turn help protect Kyler, and then in turn help help protect 
the receivers and give them a little bit more free reign, a little bit more ability and openness to do things. So I think D hop can unlock them. Um, and if they are able to play at the level that they played last season with uh, DeAndre Hopkins before he got injured, then um, I don't want to count them out yet, but uh, you know, uphill battle for them, obviously. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go with San Francisco just because I'm just going to, bank on the fact or the idea that they're going to get a lot of those those injured guys back and then i i'm pretty out on on arizona we'll see this thursday if uh if deandre hopkins makes a huge impact but even if he does i don't think i want to get ahead of myself and just anoint them because i want to see it sustained i want to see him healthy i want to see that offense function consistently for a while so i'll go with san francisco dallas dallas was uh my my first wild card team, so I already had them in before. New Orleans was a wild card team for me as well before. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like these injuries. It's like injuries all over the place. Dallas is easy because once they get Dak back, I think they will continue to play good football. they are still be good on defense. and um, I didn't want this to take so long, so I'll just I'll – just, throw up some predictions i'll say i'll say i'll say new orleans and then i'll say i'll say green bay is the last one so i'll say green bay gets in as wild card so my nfc is a little bit different um i switched up minnesota into winning i switched san francisco into winning i kept dallas kept green uh kept uh, baltimore and then I dropped, who was my last one? I, I put Green Bay in instead of AFC West. Oh, the 49ers. Oh, the Rams, because I had the winning and I don't have them in at all. Maybe that's stupid. But anyway, those are my my, my uh, one-third of the season predictions. And I just intended that to be like a quick aside. But I, do, I want something in the books, because I don't think we really have anything in the books for us because you weren't really doing this segment before we started the season. So, right. Um, all right. Anything else you wanted to mention before we move along to our final afternoon game of the day? Yeah. I'll mention one thing. Trust, trust what you know. And, and I say that to say like the regular season doesn't mean that much to me when it comes to uh, most of these teams. Um, as long as if the Buccaneers are in, they should be the favorite in the NFC. If if the the Chiefs and the Bills, they're going to get in. But the Chiefs and the Bills, regardless of how good some of these other teams may end up looking or the momentum they build, trust those teams. Um, even the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, they're in these games with absolutely nothing. Midseason acquisitions or health, they could be right there in the playoffs. Trust what you know, and that's that's the only thing I would say for for people out there. Uh, until the team prove it and show you they can do it, go with you know, because that's probably what's going to happen. All right. Okay, I got it. Now, let's jump into the final afternoon game, which was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I can tell you this is not what I expected to happen in this game. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are definitely injury plagued, but they've got a number of their receivers back. The interior of the offensive line is still a bit of an issue and that doesn't match up well against the Steelers team that has a phenomenal defensive interior but I don't think Tom Brady's arm is is all there right now because of the shoulder I think he doesn't 
He doesn't put velocity on the ball as much as I would like to see. And when he does, it's a little bit inaccurate. And I think he still, he went 25 of 40 and he, they still got him throwing the ball 40 times. Even with that 243 yards and a touchdown, that's really not efficiency that we've come to expect from Tom Brady, especially with a more or less full slew of passing weapons. They end up losing 18 to 20 and they had an opportunity to tie it up. Obviously didn't happen But before we jump into the Steelers side of things, I know that you're a big Tom Brady believer and you're a big Bucks guy, at least, you know, from a respect standpoint. So what was your take on this game? Um, The take on the game is that, and I don't want to be a Byron Leftwich hater because I love the dude. I think he's proven to be a great OC over the the course of um, his tenure, but you just need to get back to a more quick game. Too much of the stuff is long developing. And like you just said, the offensive line has played pretty good, in my opinion, for the situation that they've been put in. There's a lot of guys playing their first football uh, in, in, in their NFL careers <laughs> on the interior of that D-line. And you're playing against um, a, a guy like Cam Hayward and all the stunts that they, the, the Steelers will send. Um, it's not an easy task. I think they played pretty well considering. Um, I know Tom went viral yesterday for yelling at the offensive line and being all in their face. And I think that lends to a little bit of what you're saying as far as, um, you know, maybe some of the, the throws he's being off platform, a lot having to throw off his back foot. You can't really step into the throws and, and, and really um, see where we're accustomed. But I also think we're actually, we actually are seeing where we're accustomed to Tom, like when the team isn't that great, but I think they will be fine going forward because Godwin's still getting in the, into the groove. He's not playing as many snaps as he's normally accustomed to playing. Uh, Mike Evans looks as good as any receiver in the NFL. I mean, he's playing at an extremely high level this year. And at the end of the day, Tom is still uh, – he's at 1,652 yards. He's fourth in the NFL in passing yards. Um, he's tied for 10th in, in touchdowns. And he's tied for first with the least amount of picks with only one pick this year. He, he's still – as good as any quarterback in football to me is especially like for what they ask him to do. They don't, how many teams ask their quarterback to throw the ball 50 times a game? He threw the ball 50 times a game in back-to-back games. It was 52 to be exact. Um, and then he threw it another 40 times this week. So he's throwing the ball 142 times in the last three games, which is ridiculous. Like nobody should be throwing the ball that much, but um, from what they've asked of that offensive line, this is why I give the offensive line so much bail. They, had, they took 142 dropbacks in the last three weeks. That's insane. Um, Doesn't even include penalties. That are, right. So it's, like... so it's it, it's pretty crazy. But like I said, it's Brady. They're still finding the ways, even in when they're struggling. Like, uh, they lost that game to the Packers. They lost yesterday. Um, their losses are by the skin of their teeth. There's nothing that I would be too concerned about, especially with uh, health permitting, um, if they get, you know, a Ryan Jensen back and to shore up things in the, in the middle. Um, they get a Julio Jones back. You, he doesn't even have to be great. Just you have to respect him. That opens up the rest of the field um, for other guys. I mean, it, it's just they lost that game to the Bucks, but I mean, excuse me, to the uh, Chiefs, but they, should, they they very well could be sitting here at 5-1, and one, and we're talking about them completely different if, you know, the ball swings one way or another. Um, like I said, but before we give the Steelers the credit they rightfully deserve, um, Buccaneers fans, if I was a Bucks guy, uh, I wouldn't be too worried at all. You you play the Panthers next week. Um, 
then you got the Panthers again late in the season and the Falcons again late in the season. You're already uh, sitting at 2-0 in the division. You got to feel pretty good about where you are right now if you're the Bucks going forward. But I, I got to hear what you got to say about the Steelers because they shocked a lot of people yesterday. And, and I think that, hey, you got to give that defense full credit for what they did yesterday. Yeah, look, I love their defense, and it's pretty phenomenal what they did, especially without one of my favorite players in the NFL, Minka Fitzpatrick. So, I mean, look, it's it's funny. They start off the game, and they feel kind of hot with Kenny Pickett. You know, he's completing passes, you know, pretty consistently, right. 11 of 18, but only for 67 yards. You could complete over 30 passes for less than 200 yards at that clip. So, you know what I mean? Like, you're that is taking dinking and dunking to another level. Unfortunately, he did get hurt, um, and he was, you know, he's using his legs effectively, which he's he's shown that he can do very well. But when they get Mitch Trubisky back in, um, he ends up going nine for twelve for one hundred forty four, hundred and forty four yards and a touchdown. So it looks like Trubisky is doing his best to take advantage of his his renewed opportunity. Now I don't really know what the status of Kenny Pickett is going forward uh, I, I don't think it's deemed to be a long-term injury was it a concussion I think it was a concussion yeah that's what what I saw a concussion but so I mean that at this point we don't know that could last however long um and look putting Teddy Bridgewater back in is the, that that's another conversation we should have for another day too if he's not healthy enough to start I don't know w- what you're doing playing him but <laughs> But uh, that's an aside. Steelers, man, uh, this was this was a big game for Chase Claypool. I mean, even before he scored his touchdown, he was making his impact felt. So this is the kind of game I would have liked to have seen from him more consistently because he has all the ability in the world. You know what I love, though? I love seeing a big man get the ball in space and just rumble. Do you see that that reception for Connor Hayward? Yeah. So Hayward is the younger brother of Cam Hayward, and he caught a wide open pass. Turn and started rumbling upfield. I mean, it's something you don't get to see that often because, unless it's a busted coverage, which basically that was, uh, you don't you don't really see those guys in space that way. But it's always fun to see. And I mean, they're only two and four. I don't know if we can necessarily apply this to the rest of their season but it was kind of surprising that we were seeing some pretty ugly losses coming from a Mike Tomlin led team it's just something that we we're not used to you know oh yeah absolutely and people that are calling for his job are are absolutely insane like come on the the guy's been a head coach in the NFL 17 years and he's never had a losing season um the, the those guys were a game away from the playoffs last year with I don't want to be disrespectful, but uh, the worst version of Ben Roethlisberger that we've ever seen. Like, you have to have some respect for what he's been able to build and establish over the course of uh, his career. There, anybody calling for his job is absolutely insane. Um, be careful what you wish for, because you, you know, it, it could be a situation where you get somebody in that um, is young, revitalized, and takes them to the next level. Cool. Or you can get somebody in that absolutely stinks, and then your team's in shambles for another decade while you're trying to rebuild and get back to where you, where you were. So people calling for his job are crazy. Like, you know, they had that Monday night, excuse me, that Thursday night game where they lost to the Browns. Very well could have won that football game in that game to the very end. 
They had the very close game against the Jets where the Jets pulled that one out in the end. I mean, they could. what I'm saying is they very easily could be sitting here 4-2 and two instead of 2-4. and four. And like I said, the same thing about the Bucs, uh, possibly being 5-1 instead of 3-3. Three and three. You talk about it totally different. Um, and I think, I think the way they lost those games, like I said, there's never a moral victory. But the way they lost those games, it wasn't anything fluky. The, the other team won. I don't want to you know, make any uh, mistake about that. But they were in that game. They had their chances. Uh, they have been their chances consistently. So it's up to them to make the adjustments, to make the necessary plays, to make the necessary uh, coaching moves, to make the difference to go from 2-4 and four to 4-2. Four and two. Um, But I, I think you got to feel decent about it. I mean, they got the Steelers. I mean, excuse me, they got the Dolphins coming up. Um, I mean, Dolphins are 0-3 in their last three. Um, two is supposed to be back, but um, if Teron Armstead is not back, if, you know, Waddle hurt his arm yesterday, is Waddle going to be able to play? Is I mean, Nick Needham, you know, towards Achilles, he's out for the year. Uh, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, I mean, I can keep going on and on with the injuries. They should feel pretty good about that one going into Thursday night. Um, so hopefully they get, excuse me, Sunday night next week. So hopefully they get, um, maybe they get that one and they get on track and start rolling, but Steelers should feel pretty good in my opinion going forward. I think the worst of it is, regardless of who's playing quarterback, the worst of it is over for them. I think you get a CJ Watt back here pretty soon. You get Minka back. You get Pat uh, Firemuth back tight end. I mean, they, they had a lot of guys out yesterday and still found a way to win that football game. So as they get more healthy and you know they get back into the flow of the season, I feel pretty good about the Steelers actually. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I feel good about them in terms of a playoff opportunity, just because they're yeah. a little behind the eight ball and in a strong division and conference. But, but I do think there's a very real possibility that they do just squeak back to Tomlin's famed at least 500 record, or maybe right under, maybe eight and nine, and then we're looking at them with a lot of excitement and confidence going forward into next year because they just they need a little bit more juice on the offensive line. But the reality is some experience for the younger players and that's probably a, a pretty competitive football team all right that takes us to sunday night football and this was a good game and, and i think we saw a very clear limitation for for cooper rush but the dallas cowboys fall 17 to 26 for the philadelphia eagles i thought they could cover they missed the field goal at the very last minute um so they did not but Look, I, I think this is a good Cowboys team that has a lot going for it. But when they go up against a very, very good defense like the Philadelphia Eagles, where there just aren't spaces, where they're just playing tight coverage, you know, Cooper Rush just has the physical limitations that, that don't get it done. And I think if you got Dak in there, he's not, you know, he's not necessarily an elite gifted player in the NFL, but he has a lot more arm strength than Cooper Rush does. He's got a lot more zip on the ball. You know what I mean? He's got a lot more downfield passing ability um, to fit it into windows. And I think that could have been the difference between a win and a loss in this game. I think both teams played well overall. I mean, we saw Zeke with 6.2 yards carry looking good. He, you know, I don't know if he's as explosive perhaps as he once was, but he's still making some really impressive moves around the line. He's really, he's still shifty. He's still wily, and of course, he's still killing it in pass pro, and then Tony Pollard doing his thing, four yards carry. And uh, I think, you know, you do as much as you can. That's pretty effective against this this uh, Philadelphia defensive front, and ultimately it just comes down to the passing game not quite getting it done. And, 
you know, with only 180 yards, over 81 overall overall yards passing and a few interceptions. So I, I really do feel like this is just, this is kind of the game where if there was anybody out there who was true, like truly saying they shouldn't put Dak back in there, this is this is proof that that's, you know, when the time is right, they absolutely should. Oh, I mean, yeah, Dak's gonna. There was never a quarterback controversy, and I and I was one of the guys like, dude, you got to stop. People are like trying to discredit Cooper Rush for what he's done. Like, bro, he's five and zero. He was five and zero as a starter. Um, you got to acknowledge what's in front of you at some point. But I can't remember. You're the, you're the money guy, but however much they paid Dak, there was never going to be a controversy <laughs> when, when he was healthy yeah. and ready to go. He was going to be the guy. But uh, one thing I. I feel like I learned so much about both of these football teams last night. It was, uh, I agree. It was my favorite game of the night. Um, excuse me, of the day. I think the best game was the, uh, the Jags Colts game, but this is my favorite game because we learned a lot about the Eagles. They came out, punched them in the mouth, did what they've been doing all season. And then we learned a lot about the Cowboys, the way they fought back. Even Cooper rushed after that second interception. He played very well. He went, it was a stretch where he went like uh, 11 for 13 or 11 for 14 with a hundred something yards and a touchdown. I mean, from the halfway through the second quarter to halfway through the fourth quarter before that last interception, he played very good football. Um, but I think that has so much to do with the play call, and that's my biggest issue with the Cowboys was yesterday. I mean, what did you what did you say? You know, Zeke had six point two per carry. Pollard had four yards per carry. Ceedee Lamb ran the ball twice. He averaged four point five per carry. Five point two as a team, uh, four hundred thirty four yards in the touchdown. Why are you doing play action boots with Cooper Rush on second and, and one, on third and one, uh, on fourth and one? Why, why, why is Mike McCarthy running no huddle uh, when CeeDee Lamb clearly got the first down? Uh, instead of challenging that or giving time for the booth to page, or whatever you have to do, you go no huddle and you're running a play action boot with Cooper Rush. You just spoke on those physical limitations, and they've been so good because they've um, called perfect games and made it to where he doesn't have to rely on that. To make plays, and when you do play action boots, uh, when you do all this uh, extra rollout stuff, they have a couple design rollouts. You are then relying on his athletic ability and those natural gifts that he doesn't have. So it was very weird to see that, especially with how well they were doing running the football. Um, even on some of the, you know, the, the third and mediums, third and shorts. Uh, why are we passing here? You've been running the ball in recent weeks, and it's been working very well. Um, the Eagles. Interior D-line is very good, but you had success all night running the ball against them. Uh, it was very confused from that standpoint. However, they fought back as well. Zeke had a hell of a game. Uh, I like the way Tony Pollard got his yards. People are so used to seeing him break these explosive runs. and you know, give, oh, is there, He should be the running back one. But I think you saw yesterday uh, when it's time to ground it out and play smash mouth football against these teams that are have, have the very good fronts. You have to do it in a different way. And Tony probably got some very positive yards. There was a couple times where he got met at the line of scrimmage. And instead of, you know, breaking those long runs that he normally runs, he grinded out and fought for two or three yards. And to me, those are like the, the runs that separate good teams from great teams or bad teams from good teams. Uh, it's so much better to be in second and third, excuse me, second and seven or second and six than it is to be in second and 11 or second and 10. Like those little plays are big difference makers in the game. So, I, th- I thought he did a great job. I thought Jake Ferguson did a great job yesterday in tight end. Um, I think he needs probably a little bit more targets when Dak gets back. Um, you got to have a tight end when, when you're not as explosive down the field. Um, and, and the Eagles just respond every time. I don't think there's too much to say about them. Uh, they, they, they've done what they've done all year. They've only let – I mean, excuse, they've only trailed once this season, 
and that was uh, against the Jaguars on the road. Uh, and then they came back and found a way to win that game. I mean, they haven't trailed in the second half. I think I saw last night. They haven't trailed in the second half all year. Uh, I don't care who you are, where you're from. That is incredible, especially in the NFL, finding ways to respond and, and, and keep finishing football games. They're doing it better than anybody in football, uh, and they deserve their love. So kudos to them. Great game last night. Yeah, and then from the Eagles' perspective, it's just, you know, we, we know exactly what they are, and they have a great defense or a very good defense. They have a very, very complete offense. There is maybe not an ultra-dynamic passing game, but they can do whatever they need to to win. They don't have a lot of turnovers. Um, I, I think this game is kind of an example of why Jalen Hurts is, at least to me, not a real MVP candidate because he's he's very good, but he's he functions well within his role. I, I just don't see him... I think if you put like a bunch of other uh, quarterbacks in the on this team, they would be even better. You know what I mean? Like if you put a Josh Allen on this team, they would be incredible. If you put Patrick Mahomes on this team, you'd be they be incredible. If you put a Tom Brady on, on this team, they'd be incredible. And I think it's hard to to say that a guy is an MVP candidate when you're like, man, I, I would have I would love to switch him out with a bunch of other guys. And it's not to take anything away from him because there are only so many of those elite type of quarterbacks. But but I think it's the wins, the, the record is more due to the surrounding cast than his play, and I think that's what MVP really means. So good team. They will continue to win um, and continue to find ways to win. But, I, you know, I think I think I made my point, so I won't, I won't go into it anymore. Any final thoughts on the Eagles before we wrap up our recap here this week? Uh, how he deserves whatever GM award there is um, for for the work he did. I mean, you get uh, CJ CG set, CGJ, um, and then you get <clears throat> AJ Brown for pennies. I mean, like, come on, man! Like, you, you just added two Pro Bowl guys. I mean, arguably uh, all pro for for Chauncey this year. I mean, like, who knows, man? But adding those guys to that team. It's absolutely incredible. Shout out to Jeff Stoutland, the offensive line coach. Um, <laughs> Jeff Stoutland, you? Yeah, man. Um, you know, awesome. So uh, I think they should be the favorites in the NFC going forward. Um, you got to give them their proper respect. Who do I trust more still? The Bucks, And they end up running to each other in the playoffs. So I'll probably pick the Bucks, But I think the Eagles deserve so much more respect. I mean, they're, they're the only undefeated team in the, in the league. They haven't trailed in the second half. I mean, they deserve a lot more respect than they're, they're getting right now. So kudos to the Eagles, man. Shout out to Sirianni, too. He, he's second for coach of the year right now behind Brian Dable. So it remains to be seen how the Giants play out. But by the end of the year, he could be the front runner for coach of the year as well. All right, that's going to do it for us today. I mean, we got to talk about some of these teams tomorrow. The Giants are one of them. Um, a couple of the others. We'll be back tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to live stream our Monday Night Football recap and performers of the week. So we'll talk about Kyron's Offensive Player of the Week. We'll talk about his Offensive Line of the Week. We'll bounce off some power rankings and uh, and whatever else we have time for. If you are watching, you will not see our uh, Monday Night Football preview yet. That is a separate video. I did a Chargers and 
Broncos preview with Gavino Borquez of Chargers Wire. That's already on YouTube, so you can check that out. If you're listening, that is going to roll immediately thereafter this. I want to big, uh, give a big shout-out to Noah Ashley, our producer. You can find him at Noah Ashtray Sports on Twitter. He is awesome. And Kyron, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Um, you can find me on all social medias at Kyron Samuels, K-Y-R-O-N-S-A-M-U-E-L-S. And then you can also find me on uh, the Playback app. I do live posting games there, um, backslash Kai Samuels. So that link is posted on all my socials. So if you follow the socials, you see that. And also follow the uh, the GH uh, socials, man. Um, the engagement's doing a lot better there. We're getting a lot more uh, flow there. So thank you guys for the support there. And um, also follow us on TikTok and, and Instagram, at Gridiron Heroics. Um, and give Max a follow as well. Max is killing it on Twitter now. Do some Twitter games. <laughs> Get killing it. So, uh, and shout Working out to Noah it. as well. That's my boy Noah, man. Shout out to him. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. All right. Let me just play us out here. Thank you for listening to our Sunday recap. So this is week six. Tomorrow, like I said, we'll be back with our Monday Night Football recap and uh, players of the week. You can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean. And if you are on YouTube, throw throw us a subscribe, throw us a like. If you're listening via podcast, give us a follow, a rating, or review. Anything that you can that helps us, we very much appreciate it. We will see you all very soon. Gamblers, wagerers, and riverboat ramblers. Tonight, we pick. All right, we are back with Gavino Borquez, the managing editor for Chargers Wire. That's part of the USA Today Sports Network, and he's also a contributor to Draft Wire. Now, Gavino's been with us before, and today he's going to preview the Broncos and Chargers Monday night football game with us. Gavino, how you doing, man? Doing real good. It's nice to have a Sunday off. Uh, we got some rain here in, in Phoenix uh, yesterday, so that's very unheard of. So I'm going to enjoy the day, soak up the nice weather today. Nice. I have been loving the weather in Austin so far. I mean, obviously the summers are brutal for both of us, but this is the time of year where it's really all worth it. It's like summer for us and it's going to last for probably another month or two. Okay. So I've only got you for a few minutes and I do appreciate you coming on the show. So let's jump right into the preview today. Chargers, they are injury ravaged, man. They are, they're getting banged up all over the place. They've had some guys step in uh, in unlikely situations and perform well. Jamari Sawyer is certainly one of them. We've highlighted him on the show before. But I think before anything else, I just want to ask you, how are you feeling about the team's injury issues? How do you feel about the current team's ability to contend? Now, maybe the Broncos haven't been the best team so far, but going forward, I just want your insight into that. Yeah, so the team has been without Rashawn Slater um, and rookie, our six-round pick, Jamari Sawyer, has done a nice job of, of filling in that role. Uh, the team has definitely schemed around him to um, protect the likes of Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney last week, Jerry Hughes the week before. So he's been solid. Um, the issue has been um, Keenan Allen's injury and Joey Bosa's injury. Uh, with Keenan Allen's injury – a lot has not been able to open up in different parts of the field. Like with his presence, he draws a lot. 
and you know with Mike Williams he's the one that's doing most of the work Gerald Everett will have will go in spurts of having good games but Keenan Allen that's a big piece of the offense to be able to do a lot of the stuff um, in the short to intermediate areas part of the field um, and again they've been leaning on last year's third round pick Josh Palmer and he just has not shown up um, like the, and has actually met the expectations that people had and then regarding Joey Bosa the team hasn't had the pressure opposite Khalil Mack like they're anticipating. You know, they've been relying on last year's fourth round pick Chris Rumpf and veteran Kyle Van Noy to fill in that role, but they just have struggled to generate pressure. Um, Khalil Mack's drawing more double teams, uh, chip blocks and all that. So he is kind of like a one-man show with that position. And Chris Rumpf, he had these high expectations going into the season given how good he looked during training camp and preseason, but they just have not gotten production out of that position. So, I mean, how do we feel about the locker room? You know, I mean, I think at this point there are are some questions about how the guys are feeling, maybe questioning some coaching decisions. I, I, you know, I only ask really because of that tweet that, that uh, Keenan Allen sent out during the game, I believe it was last week. So is there, has there, come out any more uh, details around that? Did he clarify or is it something that there's still some tension surrounding? And if it is clarified, do you feel like it's legitimate or is, are they just trying to smooth things over? Well, I feel like Brandon Staley was either being honest or doing a good job of covering it up because he said that him and Alan talked about it after the game or the following day, I should say. And it kind of made them quote unquote closer. Or So, you know, in like if people don't know what you're talking about, it was Brandon Staley's decision to go for it on fourth down rather than kick um, kick a punt and or punt the ball mm-hmm. and have give Jacoby Brissett a longer field to work with. But instead, they Justin Herbert um, passed it to Mike Williams. It was deflected by rookie Martin Emerson, and then that led to the Browns getting the ball. Luckily, uh, KD York missed the field goal. So, anyways, that decision drew. A lot of head scratchers uh, from a lot of people, including Keenan Allen. So he tweeted mm-hmm. something out. And yeah, so regardless, Brandon Staley said that it made them closer, that him and Keenan, you know, they're, they're close, they're, they're tight, whatever. So there hasn't been anything regarding the locker room. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if players really don't have that same, I wouldn't say like trust, but, but tightness with with Brandon Staley and kind of just he hasn't been as aggressive as he was last season. So when he normally would have gone for it, he hasn't. And then some of the situations where, all right, let's punt here. No, he's, he's going for it. So he's definitely kind of 360 from um, himself last season. And that's had people thinking that he's losing in the locker room. I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat or anything like that right now, but if he doesn't, um, you know, actually start to make the, the right change or decisions or to really start to, to bite them as the season goes on, then you can start, start to question that because despite the injuries, the Chargers have too much talent to one, not make the playoffs. So like if they're, they don't make the playoffs with what they have, despite the injuries, you know, that's barring any other significant injuries, then you're looking at Brandon Staley on the hot seat. But for now, I feel like he's fine, but still his, decision-making hasn't been the same like we saw last year. 
Yeah, I think with the injuries, it's going to kind of lead to a little bit of a roller coaster season where, you know, there's one week where a lot of people are criticizing the team because they don't look that good. Then they'll have a get right game when they play a team that's just not as talented, which is probably going to happen on Monday night, I think. You, you never know. Division games are always close. We saw that last week, too. But but I think ultimately they do have the inside track to the playoffs just because of Herbert and everybody else that they have. And they will get some of those guys back eventually. So looking at this specific matchup with the Broncos here, I mean, the Broncos are banged up, too. They have also lost their left tackle. They've also been missing guys all over the place, losing guys preseason. And on top of that, their quarterback has looked a fraction of as as competitive as Justin Herbert at this point. So not that we'll, not what people expected, having uh, the big trade and big contract go to Russell Wilson. Now, I will say that I did not pick them to go to the playoffs, so I don't need to rehash that for this show, but I just wanted to kind of let you know that I, I didn't see a smooth season necessarily coming, but it, it is underwhelming even for what I thought was going to happen. How do you expect this matchup to play out? I mean, they have not been able to protect Russell Wilson very well, even when they have his apparent injury has caused him to be inaccurate. And I think there's even questions about whether he sees the field very well. And I don't know if that's just the yips. I don't know if it's just the stress and the pressure. I don't know if it's miscommunications with his coaching staff. I don't know. It just kind of seems like there's dysfunction across the board. So like, if we're looking specifically at this, Staley defense versus this hack it offense. How do we expect that one to play out? Well, I talked about a little bit earlier. If there's any game to actually get right for these uh, edge defenders opposite Khalil Mack, it's going to be this one because I think they're going to be without, or they're going to be without Garrett Bowles and Calvin Anderson's expected to start in place of him. So it all starts right there is, is getting pressure on Russell Wilson. Uh, we know that he's been struggling with his reads. But in the back end of the defense, um, the biggest acquisition, J.C. Jackson, has also been struggling. So I'd say quarterbacks haven't had field days against the Chargers defense, but they can certainly have their moments. And that's what um, makes me a little bit nervous, especially with Portland Sutton versus J.C. Jackson, because J.C. Jackson just has struggled to to get going, to actually live up to the corner um, star cornerback money that he was given and some of it has to go to that minor ankle procedure that he had during training camp so trying to figure out if just getting up to um, game speed or if it's still bothering him but you know I was thinking about it and I'm like this Broncos offense is rough when going into the season people were viewing it to be you know decent to, to good but it just hasn't been the case but I'm like if you are going to be one team or one player to actually get right, it's going to be against the Chargers. And that's why I'm not counting out the Broncos, you know, doing well on offense. And I look at that matchup and just given how J.C. Jackson has looked, how they've struggled to, to get pressure off the edges, even when they're throwing in a backup left tackle. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to scheme some stuff up up front. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon, he's had his fumbling issues, but he's ran the ball, um, I'd say fairly well for the most part too. And outside the tackles, uh, with the Chargers run defense, that's been the issue. Um, and that's also been a topic of discussion is the, the Chargers, they went into the off season and brought in, um, 
Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Otito Ogbanya to really bolster this run defense. But, you know, while inside the tackles they've been strong, it's been outside of the tackles. And part of that has to do with Joey Bosa. You know, he's one of the better edge defender um, against the run. And then they've struggled in open field with tackling too. So, you know, the Staley's defense, you know, he came in being this defensive-minded head coach. It certainly hasn't uh, lived up to the expectations, even with the the additions. Because while Bosa's gone, they still have too much talent to be playing the way that they are. And that's why we can't look at this Broncos offense and think that they're going to be underwhelming like the past few weeks. You know, they did well against the Raiders. And, you know, the Raiders are the Raiders. But still, like, uh, the Chargers defense has not played how many expected them to. Yeah, you know, I, I think certainly this style of defense is something that's given Russell Wilson difficulty in the past, uh, the two high shells. I, I think we'll have to see. Any lower body injury to a corner is one of the toughest injuries for any position to play through just because they rely on that so, so, so much. It's such a reactive position that you, you've got to be – basically 100% of the athlete that you can be to match up with these guys. So I, I'm not really surprised that that Jackson is having some issues there. I I have the feeling that overall this is still going to work out in the Chargers' favor. I just I, – I tend to think that they're going to balance out. I don't know if they'll have a, a strong playoff run. They might be bounced one and done. That's yet to be seen. We have too much of the season left to go, but I do expect them to, to at least balance out in the regular season and have some success. It does at this time seem like Denver is kind of imploding. The Denver defense is is pretty good. I mean, I think at this point they're, they're very, very, very much held back by their offense. They have a very, very good corner in Pat Sertan who can lock down just about any of the better wide receivers out there. Um, they have some solid pass rush themselves. I don't think they have a special linebacking unit, but I, if that's going to be a weakness, I think that's okay. How do you expect the Chargers offense to hang with the defense here? Because, you know, we've seen Justin Herbert at his best and he can basically do just about anything, but it does seem like maybe play calling has been a little bit, I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but maybe, um, Inefficient, I guess, perhaps. Yeah. So regarding the Chargers offense versus the Broncos defense, that's also going to be interesting. I don't expect the Chargers to put up, um, you know, anywhere close to to the 30s. Uh, In my prediction, I have them scoring 24 points regarding how they get those points by rushing touchdown and then uh, two passing touchdowns maybe from Justin Herbert. But it's going to be tough, and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle Denver's um, pressure because, with you know, they don't have Randy Gregory, and he was coming on big uh, for the first few weeks. But Baron Browning, he's filled in nicely, but it's just the way that they generate pressure. You know, if you're put in third-down situations against the Broncos, they're going to send simulated pressures from just a variety of different ways. and from when I watched film, the way that uh, that they do so, like it's very, very like it catches my attention. You know, me being a guy who who likes watching front seven play a lot, and that's what makes me nervous. While Justin Herbert is the least sacked quarterback 
um, having this is probably going to be their toughest matchup regarding scheme pressure, you know, because Justin Herbert is like a magician in the pocket. He can evade pressure, but I know that that's one of the things that they're game planning. So that way um, they're going to get to him quick and that Bradley Chubb versus Jamari Sawyer, another tough matchup. Um, so seeing how that goes and then regarding the cornerback versus wide receiver matchup, Broncos play a lot of zone defense. So, I don't know if we're going to see too much of the uh, um, Mike Williams versus Pat Sertain matchup, as many are anticipating. But regardless, they're going to be having the Chargers dinking and dunking, sitting in that zone defense all day, getting the pressure. They're going to be making Herbert throw underneath. Um, They're going to have to rely on the run game, getting that going as well, too. Like, this is a pretty stiff defense overall. And just, like, being, you know, second in in pass defense, like, it should definitely be – little worrisome to the, to the Chargers offense. So I'm just, I'm curious to see how they're going to come out and try to, to mitigate that defense as much as possible. Cause I would say out of all the opponents that they've played, this is probably their toughest challenge yet. Yeah, I agree. So let's, let's do it. I'm going to let you get out of here, be free for your Sunday with no, no football requirements. It's always better when you don't have to, and you get to watch last thing I'll ask you here. For predictions. Now we use play action pools as our official pick'em affiliate, and we have a minus four and a half in favor of the Chargers. So what do we think? Are the Chargers covering that? Broncos backdoor covering it? What do you think? I think the Chargers cover. Yeah, I agree. That's my official prediction as well. I feel you. I think I think the Chargers are just straight up a better team right now, despite everything that's happening there. There's just so much more going on with the Broncos. Okay, so I appreciate you again very, very much, Gavino. I love having you on the show, and I think this is already the third time now. So looking yeah. forward to many more appearances, and I can't wait to have some long-form conversations in the offseason. That's that's some of my favorite time to really talk football to because you can really get into it. Um, so just for everybody, as a quick reminder, since the format's changed slightly, this is the closing segment to the podcast but if you're watching on youtube this is an individual segment if you want to go check that out too so um i will have links for both of those up you know can you let everybody know where they can find you until the next time we have you on yep so you can find me on twitter at gavino borquez no spaces no underlines nothing like that and you can also follow chargers wire at the chargers wire beautiful all right we will see you again soon my friend thank you Thank you all so much for listening to our week six recap and Monday Night Football preview. I'm Max Dean. You can find me on Twitter at BMaxDean. And the Gridiron Heroics football show is available anywhere podcasts can be found and now on YouTube as well. Remember, keep an eye out for our live streams, which we will do four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Please, if you like what you hear, if you listen along, hit a like. Hit subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review, a rating, a follow, anything you can that helps us wherever you listen. We greatly appreciate it. We will be back tomorrow with our week six players of the week and the Monday Night Football recap. Again, with Kyron Samuels, and we'll see you all very soon.